Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, I just want to go over some basic core principles that are mentioned in the Communist Manifesto. But of course, to those that don't know who wrote the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx, the famous communist, wrote it. I believe 98% of people above the age of 15 have at least heard of Karl Marx, and I want to say that the people listening, at least half or more, have read the Communist Manifesto, and if not, I'm just going to lay out 10 core principles that he mentions. I don't know why people like to write all these very wordy books that describe in very complicated ways and sometimes incoherently what they want to say about the whole thing, but I feel like they want to establish sort of a canon to sort of point to, and it gives the thought process at least an amendability and an analysis if it gives a uh, full human feel rather than it being I came from on top of the hill and I'm giving you ten commandments and it's weird that that these people these authorities these authors give the number ten out it's a very graspable number oh here's here's the start of a new set of integers but we we wanted to start at the top of the integer and work its way <laughs> I don't know because if we had eleven core principles it would be the familiar numbers plus a repetition of two more familiar numbers and it doesn't sound as clean it's not when you list it out it looks better when you frame it I suppose all jokes aside let's start with the first principle abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes so this kind of squares up against John Locke's approach to land being you should own a certain amount of land granted that you're going to utilize said land for the best uses possible that you should own it if you're able to maximize the power on that land or if you have access to certain parts of land, it is you who is able to utilize it most. Sort of like grab the land that's most useful for you. And that is more private. If you own it privately and you have plans to utilize the land in a certain way, that you have absolute rights to a property, that it is there because that entity itself, whoever has access to that land and who has authority over that land and controls it, is able to take whatever is in that land, utilize it to its most effective form. Otherwise, why do you have it? And how did you get all the money that you were able to purchase it? How did you expand your power without really actually turning it into some sort of commodification or that you couldn't buy it without the power of having money or owning something and be and be able to utilize whatever resources you have in order to purchase it in the first place so it's essentially this that who owns you know controls the land so this sort of goes over that co core key concept where it's the workers who are essentially the proletariat run economy that their means that their their power is supposed to permeate that and that's sort of like public like the rest of us the ones that do not own it necessarily should control it rather than it be in the hands of strictly and literally someone who bought it for their own end that is controlled by everyone that everything is pulled together for everyone to work in, and that it's not controlled strictly and literally by someone or some entity or organization to have and to control. Okay, so he wants more collective ownership or collective power, and yet you cannot expect for a whole public entity to always know how this resource is to be used fully because essentially there's a difference between someone who has been within an economic jo uh, sector or job or in a position for more than a year but you wouldn't expect them to know how to best utilize resources in a manner to someone who has been in the game for 15 years it's like expecting to be paid the same 
as someone who has been in the game for much longer knows more knows what to expect understands it fully and is much better at operating within the job or with within the community of the work how open does that need to be without needing that acute authority that nar narrowly gauged authority the, the owner how do we reconcile power like that second one there is a heavy progressive or graduated income tax now we have sort of seen this you know the rich are like stop progressively taxing me and the poor you know have a lower tax bracket where they're not you know getting taxed as much because more of the money coming from rich people into the tax pool is going towards more of a lower end that may need tax money it's sort of the idea of the exploitation scheme. The money that is being generated most readily is off of the back of a more public sphere without ownership of things. They do not have all their needs met, or at least in some sense, if they fall economically, they require some assistance. And within this assistance, there is a pool that has been made, a tax pool that is designed to ameliorate and govern its citizens by. And so you find that the interests of the poor are not being taxed as much, but the interests of the rich are being taxed more. And you could kind of see that, well, how progressive can this be? Well, I mean, you even see very rich people that, I mean, they're not really doing much <laughs> besides owning things. I mean, capital is about making money. You, you make the money. It's made up a lot of the time just by having money in a certain way if you put your money to certain stocks you don't have to do anything you just generate capital you accrue it and increase it and that's the idea of it and that's in order to expand or to create more wealth but for who and that's the attack on it is we don't want to keep creating more and more wealth for the people who are increasingly at the tip top of the narrow pyramid and that's where a more right-wing economic theory is against because it goes against their interests and then a left-wing more theory is it goes against the interests of the public to have less taxes pooled for the resources of everyone else at the bottom so that we need to generate more resource for people at the bottom in this way and that's how the progressive graduated income tax sort of works and that's the lead into the sort of more socialistic aspect of things versus the private ownership thing you know, you hear that in passing, taxation is theft. And I suppose that's not wrong. And then on the other side of that is, well, I'm just getting profits stolen off my hard work. Off the back of my labor, someone else is getting all of that profit off of me. I'm generating so much wealth and it's done off of my misfortunes or just done off, off, off of my back. I mean, it is a common theme in history. How did we build the railroads so fast? Well, we didn't care about how Asian Americans were treated, so we stuffed them in a basket, threw them in a hole, blew them up, and, and carried on. Like, that's a lot of the great achievements in history have been done through human suffering. That's how a lot of America was, was built and accumulated in the slave era. And of course, these two forces are at play, and it should be the idea of the bicameral nature of democracy and left and right ideological poles is to, to temper it or to balance it and to, to see both sides where they are and see the competing interests and form better conclusions off it. It should be an evolution of a political schemata economically. Number three, abolition of all right of inheritance. Interesting. So you can't gain resources from previous people in your family in a nepotistic sense. So it's like, well, I mean, you see some of these waspy people, <laughs> dare I say, and there's there's kind of just this, this entitlement and arrogance to this. I have all the means and resources. I was, I, I just, by simply for sake of being born, 
and here I am with all this stability, with all this money, with all this opportunity and access, and sometimes people simply are born into the family business. There you are, you know? I'm gonna select the one from my family or the couple that will take over the business for me. That'll be that, there you go. You got a six-figure business going on. You're set, nothing further, but everyone else doesn't have access to those things. Only some people do. Number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrant and rebels. So basically, if you don't like these terms, we're going to confiscate everything you have. <laughs> so it's like disarming these people that own stuff. I mean, like, you can't own it anymore. This is ours now. And we come to terms with a collective ownership of it. But that doesn't seem right to me, like, at all. I don't know about you, but there's just something maybe inherently wrong about denying a, a nuance of entitlement or ownership to some things, or at least in some sort of recognition of hierarchy that may, may be somewhat vi vital to the essential aspect of deserving powers or deserving wealth. And maybe, of course, this plight of the hierarchical nature of things and the power dynamic and the economic force of what this dynamic does to people or what it has done or the attitudes of exploitation and, and everything like that. But it's also just basically, well, what about the essential need to recognize, again, knowledge, expertise, the experience, suitability, you know, just identifying these matters and accounting for those as well, rather than holding someone up for that and just taking that all away and usurping that kind of dynamic it doesn't seem right I mean, I guess in some colonial aspect, you have egalitarian societies or societies that run their thing their own way, and then some colonial power comes in and says like, all right, we're going to confiscate not only your land and everything, we're going to disrupt your whole culture and society, and um, yeah, we're just going to take everything from you, your culture, your life even, your way of thinking, and you're just going to inherit whatever we want you to. And I mean, that has happened, you know, for more advanced nations, those that are capitalists now certainly have done that kind of thing recently to people and they've dealt with it and then if you turn that around it's like yeah it's horrible but um <laughs> but but also like we, you know what are we dealing with we're dealing with an economic theory of things we're dealing with the way things are now and how they have developed over time and we also got to realize just what it is produced in its wake i don't i just don't think um cycling back and forth between a power shift and getting people who have a gripe with a certain kind of power and then the other power coming back with another gripe and then have it cycle through time sort of like the uh, the theory of the the oppressed become the oppressor and then the cycle overturns itself again and then again and again and it just echoes in a karmic cycle that's kind of what it sounds like but also we got to kind of realize like what what is the uh, essential qualities of us we we have egalitarian tendencies where we regulate our behaviors for a sense of community a sense of ourselves versus a sense of what someone is interested in and everyone else just toes the line like a tyranny sort of thing and that's kind of how corporations tend to be i suppose Number five, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. That just seems suffocatingly controlling, and there's no individualization there. I don't know about that, man. That's definitely not the American kind of spirit. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. So basically, government-run operations that get everyone around, and control of speech, basically. I don't know if it has to do with taming what people have to say about anything, or if it means we control and the means of communication in a sort of locational sense. 
that you don't have access to means of communication in some sort of private way or in an individual fashion, but it has to go through that which is provided by the state or something like that. I don't really know what that means because wasn't the telegraph getting developed in like the 1880s or late 19th century, or early 20th century? I don't know, but telephones weren't around. I know that much. Not an expert in that, but hey, if it sounds like controlling speech by the state, then hey, that's uh, First Amendment. That's uh, number one there. Seventh principle, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state, the bringing into cultivation of wastelands, and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. Makes it seem like the state knows everything about every individual set of instances. Almost like no one can be an individual expert that has a domain that they operate in that is most effective. They can't organize freely themselves to determine how to implement our, our undertakings and, and how we're supposed to deal with our instruments of production and to cultivate of wastelands. I don't know if this has to do with like environmentalism and maybe there is more of a public stance there that we have to pay attention to everyone around us when it comes to these things because we have plenty of mercury in our water. I know that. But at any rate, improvement of the soil generally. Okay. So there maybe there's, yeah, there's more of a common crown. Maybe this is a call for environmentalism. I'm kind of sort of sympathetic with that. You know, there's a public need to watch out for what is happening with the undertakings, you know, that go on and that essentially you need to sort of bend your will to that in some regard or in some sense at least eventually that needs to be regulated I guess I'm sympathetic to that. But then again, there's just no decision-making capacity, really. Seems like it's just, yeah, totally usurped, and the public isn't even making any attempt, you know, because that, that's kind of how it'll be anyway. It'll be a centralization of what people are doing in the company more publicly. and But then again, it will be dictated by the demands that the state makes. Number eight, equal liability of all to labor, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Almost as if we're in need of one thing more than another, we prioritize prioritize and we sort of have these Minutemen, so to speak, that go out and, and work for one thing or the next in some sort of crisis. I suppose there's something to that. An equal liability to all labor, but no one could be absolutely expert in one thing. It's more like we have to establish that. We have to spread out. If you spread out your talents, then no one's really much talented in one thing. Like back in the day, in smaller little tribes or societies, you can be expert in the whole culture, so to speak. You may identify as, as thus and so you might have talents that are recognized but essentially you know what the whole shebang is about but within a more far-reaching sense of modern capacity you cannot there's more to it you have to live a life dedicated to something and if you spread your your talents out it's going to fall apart seems to me but i understand the minutemen aspect of something in particular maybe that could be agreed upon in some way but in this sense it just seems like everything's getting spread out and mediumized number nine combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equable distribution of population over the country. Basically piling everyone in on each other and having no sense of what your community is in a more narrow way. It just becomes this more broader thing. So people kind of lose their sense of who they are in a way to this more grander chapter of belonging to something more generally like a country rather than having your own personal sensibility of even your area and that it has history and its own goings on. Maybe there's not this accumulation center like San Francisco, Seattle, New York City, Austin, Texas, 
Denver, Colorado, capital, you know, these capitals, Sacramento, California, Los Angeles, these, you know, these cities that we all know very well that are on the map because everyone's there or that it's the, the capital and that it's, it's, it's ruled by its state. And that's sort of the idea of the, you know, the state's rights and the ability to regulate within a smaller governmental form to your own needs rather than all these needs be usurped and in, into this grand overarching statehood. Number 10, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of children's factories, labor in its present form, combination of education with industrial production, etc. Interesting. Okay, you give everyone in education, public schools, that is more socialistic, and that's good for people, because everyone has talents, and everyone wants to learn, and everyone wants to develop their faculties within X, Y, or Z, and there's so many destinies neglected because you're busy toiling all day within factories. I understand that. That's That sounds about kind of right. Abolition of children factories, yes. You know, not working day in and day out for little pay, having a guaranteed sort of, well, minimum wage and also the eight-hour work week. That was actually an anarchist sort of idea that was pushed for and it caught hold and those ideals now permeate and, and people really value that, including public schools, so I, I get it. Combination of education with industrial production? Okay, I guess that's basically saying you get to learn what it is you're, you're doing more fully you have the option of, of understanding it more fully or you're able to do more of the work that you're involved with i suppose and i guess that makes some sense it gives more of an autonomy and freedom to to yourself I mean, if that's good, then you would want to have more autonomy and freedom, more individually and localized, but that kind of flies in the face of the other things he proposed. But hey, yeah, I don't, I don't know. These, a lot of these sound just awful, and a few of these sound like they're instances that kind of make sense and might be good for people. But otherwise, it sort of devalues the essential component that people are unique individuals with certain talents that want to go towards certain things at a certain moment. They don't want to be controlled and lumped in to this overarching structure that generalizes rather than be a particular. There's just so many instances where people deal with a certain set of skills and information on a daily or that have particular dreams or they, they feel compelled to do X, Y, or Z because they like doing it. There's a, a reason for personality and there's a, a reason why people wind up in one sphere and not another. It's because that's who they are. That's what their internal predispositions are pushing them towards. And to have that character quality be usurped by a more generality of things, that there's no individual individual sectionalized expertise that goes into anything at all and there's no hierarchical nature there's no granting powers or seeing particular visions over a general vision that just seems like it's more tyranny than a hierarchical tyrannical power controlling through their authority or ownership or, or money or whatever that may be but essentially yeah there's both of these forces working in interest but i just find that very odd because if you privately own a shop, you know who comes into it more regularly, you know what they do, you know how to effectively manage the employees you have had, you are better at politicking with the community, you're good at selling items, you're good at making small talk, you know how to run a shop, you know, just these things and have someone else who has never done that for 20 years come in and tell you what's what and how to proceed about your own little piece of work that you're operating under. It's just to generalize all of that out and not have your own little touch on what you're dealing with 
is very odd, and everyone's station sort of deals with the effect uh, of, of the time they have spent dealing with whatever art, craft, work, you know, undertaking, business, anything that they have done. It sort of undermines just that whole qual character quality, and that you can't self-regulate on a more narrow, narrow, narrow basis, that you can't characterize yourself. It has to be state-controlled. That does not seem right to me. There's a lot of these things that just do not seem like a good idea. Because beyond unfairness and the severing out of people who do not gain certain things in spite of some sort of competition that, yes, there is talents in people who are forsaken in light of that sort of element and approach, that people get alienated and marginalized due to the power and needs of the economic sphere they're operating in. People are left out, people are disenfranchised, and, and things, things go awry in that regard, with and without. But of course, there is the fairness of having an inclusivity, seeing a more general view of people and their worth, and I understand that, because there's many people who are on similar levels of being as many other people in so many different regards, and there is that fundamental quality, and people are forsaken just for others having just a little bit, just being at the, maybe they're at the right time, or having a little bit more, a little bit more to offer, or to being a little bit better at something, or maybe a little more well-equipped, but in essence, you're still left out because there is a division of labor that's more and more strict and there's a capacity to have X amount of people and you compete for certain positions and so forth. But essentially, yeah, but we do want to do what is best for each other and we want to have a sort of competitive framework out there because you don't want to hire a clown to fix a leak in the john. You want someone to take care of your piping who's reliable and knows what they're doing and who has dealt with many different issues and who's able to do it. And who is on your time time card time clock or whatever and i think just the ordering out of this should be recognized that yeah we want a competency we there needs to be some sort of element elementality of understanding where we stand in regards to talents in regards to experience and accumulation of knowledge and just where you are at but at any rate yeah to usurp that just seems counter to the fact of just even respecting your elders you need to just have respect for that which came before to some degree rather than you wouldn't give all your credence to a three-year-old versus a nine-year-old you know you you allow a sort of bowing approach to those that are older you hold them in esteem because they're more experienced in general and there's a maturation to that i don't know i'm just kind of trailing off into dreamy thoughts so i'll leave you with that and i'll see you next time